Blog Talk Radio. Episode of Cats Talk Wednesday. Vinnie Hardy here. Terry Brown is going to be along shortly. We got tons of stuff to talk about. It's going to be a lot of fun. Loaded show tonight. Got lots of guests. Three, as a matter of fact. So we'll uh, have a lot of interaction with the guests. We'll also talk a lot of UK sports like we often do. Terry TB Brown, Super TB Brown, is here with us. What's going on, TB? Man, how are you going to be late to your own show? <laughs> I'm I'm sitting here like, oh my goodness, yeah, it's six o'clock, so I do apologize for that. But I am I am doing good. Uh, winter is here. I think that's from Game of Thrones. I don't know. I don't watch it, but winter is here. Uh, so yeah, so uh, getting getting all that taken care of and everything. But uh, I know you've got some good tales to tell from your trip to Kroger Field uh, this past weekend. Yeah, had a had a lot of fun. We're definitely gonna gonna dive into that because um you know I'm down here in Tennessee just like you're up there in Louisville and you know, you may have heard others people speak about it. Uh, I'm right there with it. You may have heard, you know, Freddie Maggard, uh, or even maybe Matt Jones on KSR. All of us down here in southeastern Kentucky, or all along the part of Kentucky that borders Tennessee, you know, out south central Kentucky, Paducah, anywhere, you know, anywhere along there where it borders Tennessee, beating them means a whole lot, and we hadn't seen it happen a lot. Uh, here's how big it is for me. And, of course, for, just to run down the guests, too, for everybody listening, we're going to have Christy Thomas on at about 6.15. Of course, she's with the UK Sports Network, and we'll get into the game with her and get her thoughts on it and also look ahead to Ole Miss. 6.45, we'll talk with Kayla Moore, uh, bluegrassbball.com. She covers high school basketball like a champ, so we'll talk about that with her. 7.30, you and I will hit some 90s R&B. We have a gentleman from New York City, JR, runs a website called JR's World of Soul, and we will talk about some SWV because uh, they've been a group for 25 years now. We'll look at their first album. We'll get into all of that as the show continues. But for me, TV, as a Kentucky basketball fan, I would always hope for five wins. If Kentucky went, I always say Kentucky went five and 27, five and 28. It wouldn't matter as long as these five wins were the five. Um, and it would be 
and this is dating us going back to the old days. This will be Indiana, <laughs> North Carolina, Louisville, Tennessee twice. Those are the five. And the two against Tennessee, even though they're not a basketball power, was just because they beat us to death in football every year, and I wanted to sweep them back in basketball. Because, you know, year after year after year after year, lose to them in football. Get blown out. You have your close heartbreakers. Times where Kentucky should have won and didn't. We've, We've seen that for years. But if you give me those five, I didn't care about the rest. But if Kentucky, which more often than not, were good enough to win those five games, well, you you know they're going to have a good team. If <laughs> you know if they're beating North Carolina, Indiana, Louisville, throwing the two against Tennessee, well, you know they're going to be set up to have a good season. But those are the five that I wanted every year just because we lost to Tennessee in football year in and year out. Hey, you know, this took me a while to to realize that it it really kind of depending on where you are in the state, uh, state of Kentucky, kind of where you're born and raised, really depends on who you see as being a big time rival. Like I know that you know those teams you named, those are rivals, but really depending on where you live has an effect. Okay, of those, how do you rank them? You know, like folks in your neck of the woods, as you say, coming along the southern border, you know, beating Tennessee in anything has got to give you great satisfaction. You know, being here in Louisville, obviously Louisville, obviously Indiana were the were the big ones here. So it kind of just depends on where you are. So, you know, I watched the game on TV. How was it to be there? And as crazy as it sounds, see history being made. It, uh, it was kind of agonizing with every fumble that Kentucky lost in their own territory, to be honest. <laughs> when we started the game with a fumble against a team that hadn't scored in a month of Sundays, I'm like, oh, my goodness. You know, we're trying to gift wrap a touchdown for them to end their offensive drought. You had to credit the defense for, you know, holding Tennessee to field goals more often than not. You know, giving up nine points off of those four turnovers was huge. And then you get to uh, the post-game press conference and look at the stats and all that, and Coach Stoops comes in and talks about Kentucky just ran 52 plays. They only had the ball for 52 offensive plays. And, of course, having four fumbles will cut down (laughs) a lot of plays that you have a chance to run. But to still be – you know, 280-some yards on the ground uh, and to recover and to see them bounce back. You know, Steven Johnson just beating his body to death. <clears throat> Excuse me, the the anxiety when he went to the locker room. Um, Drew Barker comes in the tough spot, and there's an, another one of the fumbles that we saw. So seeing Steven Johnson run back onto the field, like a real-life superhero and leading them down the field. Leading them down the field. Kentucky been shut out in the second half, hadn't scored a point, but 21 up in the first half, three and outs all over the place in the second half. Now you got to have – to the point where you got to have points. Down five, 
not going to have many more possessions, you, you, it's now or never. <laughs> and see him go down the field like that and, and get it done was unbelievable. It, it was crazy for me because the possession before that, it was three straight passes, three and out, and you're thinking, okay, if Tennessee scores on this possession, it's game over. I was on Twitter frustrated with the play call because at that point, <laughs> Benny was averaging eight point something yards per rush, and you're thinking three straight passes. Johnson didn't look sharp, and you're and I'm thinking along with a lot of people, okay, that's a wrap. That that that's how this game is going to go. And then that last drive, it was like something out of a movie. I mean, it really was. It was right out of Hollywood script that they they came back and they gutted that win. So when you look at the Tennessee game, the Florida game, I know we lost Florida, I understand that. But, I mean, we were competitive in both of those games. And really, if we handle our business, we win both games kind of going away. When you look at, like you said, the time of possession against Tennessee, the, the number of plays that we ran relatively small comparison to Tennessee and still be able to put up the yardage and win the game. You know, how many Kentucky game football games have we, have we seen the cats win where they're minus four in the turnover battle? That is a huge amount to overcome. And a couple of those right in uh, deep in our own territory. So yeah, all of them, every one of them. I set them up for, for success. It set Tennessee up for success with every one of them. And for a team that hadn't scored in a month, that's like bread from heaven to them. I mean, they got their issues, and then, oh, my goodness, here we come running out in the red zone. Here we come running out at their <laughs> – Yeah, it, 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 and with Tennessee, if you can't beat a Kentucky team with four fumbles like that, you know, I don't advocate people losing their jobs, but you've, you've got to make some kind of move. Now, I imagine that's what you're hearing at this stage down in Knoxville right now, that the Tennessee's got to make some, some kind of move, uh, not only losing to Kentucky, but just the manner in which they did it. <laughs> that's, the, that's the thing. Um, you um, – which – Tennessee fans now are, are really upset because a move hasn't been made. A lot of people thought, you know, Bush Jones would have had to, to take a bus from Lexington to get back to Knoxville or, or get an Uber or something. The the athletic director down here, his, his um, John Curry just got brought in a few months ago, and he's kind of in the camp of not wanting to make a move as soon as he – comes in, even though, you know, a lot of times ADs want to have their own guy and whatnot, he's not wanting to just come in and have to just break him off immediately. But it's going to have to happen because I don't know if you saw the the skit on Jimmy Fallon when Michelle Obama was on there and they had that segment, L, you know, E-W-L, L. Have you seen that? I have not seen that one. They're talking about, you know, stuff that's just disgusting and repulsive, and they both, of course, it's funny, but both of them are just going, ew. 
And that's <laughs> what losing that's what losing you. to Kentucky that's what losing to Kentucky in football is like for Tennessee. It's just ew they can't stand it. It's I mean, you know, Alabama, you know, take them to the woodshed, fine. Um lose a game to Auburn or Arkansas or something like that. But to lose to Kentucky, I mean, even you know, Phil Fulmer, when it was at its absolute worst for him, he still beat Kentucky. Um, Vanderbilt had a long losing streak against Kentucky, against Tennessee like Kentucky did, until 05 when Jay Cutler and them went into Knoxville and ended that streak. And we had to wait six more years until 2011 until we could finally beat them. So they still have that, you know, feather in their cap that, you know, we're still beating Kentucky, still beating Kentucky. As bad as Derek Dooley was, he won two out of three against Kentucky in his time as head coach. But that's just the, the straw that broke the camel's back, losing to, to Kentucky. They they lose their minds any time it, it happens. And now this is the third, third time in 33 years. Um, so it's, it's it's just not gonna fly. It's just not. And and to, I know we're gonna talk some more when when, when Christy comes on, but this win this was a win. I, I get you know the monkey on the back and all that kind of stuff with Tennessee, but for the right here right now, this is gonna set up Kentucky very nicely for a a winning SEC record. That has been even more. Oh, I lose you. Get here. Get here, TV. Let's see what? Let's get a quick break. Bring my lost TV, um, and we'll get Christy Thomas back on with us to continue to talk about UK and UT. Got some people coming in on Facebook Live. Got some UT fans coming in on Facebook Live. I see you, Randall Jackson. Um, we'll be back to talk more Kentucky and Tennessee. Hopefully, I have Christy Thomas with us uh, from UK Sports uh, Network. Uh, Countdown to Kickoff Show. She'll be on with us to talk about it some more. And stay right with us. We will be right back. Hope to have Terry Brown back on the line as well. We'll take a quick break right now and give Christy Thomas a call and continue the UK-UT conversation.
Welcome back to Cast Talk Wednesday. Benny Hardy, Terry Brown, looking back at Kentucky's win over Tennessee this past Saturday. And we have our first guest on. Honored to have her take time out her evening to join us for the second time from the UK Sports Network. We have the host, along with Freddie Maggard of the Countdown to Kickoff Show, Texas Roadhouse Countdown to Kickoff Show. Christy Thomas on with us now. Miss Christy, how are you doing this evening? Hey, guys, I'm good. How are you all? We can't complain at all. Sure can. Nobody's listening if you do anyway, right? That's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) We had just started the show, and, of course, we were, you know, looking back and touching on highlights from the game this past Saturday, and, Definitely had to get your thoughts. And, and back when I saw you and Freddie at the Missouri game and, you know, talked about you coming on the show with us, I was like, I hope it would be after a UT win. And that's exactly <laughs> what we've got. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like it was, um, you know, one of those grinded out sort of wins that, you know, for the first time all season, Kentucky, you know, was, was facing some weather situation there, which I said, you know, quite honestly, you know, I heard a lot of folks talking about how cold it was and, it, you know, how bad the weather was and all this. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, but, you know, there was no rain, there was no snow. I mean, you know, it was it was chilly. But, um, you know, it was probably the first time that they really faced what I would consider adverse weather conditions, um, if you even want to call it that. But, um, you know, I, I'm going to go along with what I heard Rich Brooks say in a Friday press conference when um, he was talking about his – bowl championship teams that were being honored on Saturday night and that was who cares what it looks like as long as you win so you know I said that we're, we're in a scenario here with Kentucky that that style points don't matter and and you know we're not trying to 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 put up a win with you know a, a 30 plus point win because that's going to get you somewhere in terms of, of that number one versus number four ranking or a number two versus a number five ranking and next thing you know you're out of the college football playoff scenario um you know there's really none of that going on you know much like they use an NCAA basketball right I mean you know when when it comes tournament time and they're seeding people and you know how badly did they beat certain people and things like that yeah you know, that, that's just not where Kentucky football is right now so with the fact that you would get a W um, you know, after a win this early in the season, it's not come down to the last game or two of the season where Kentucky's playing for that sixth win to be bowl eligible, I think is a beautiful thing. And I don't really care how you got there. I don't care how ugly it is. I think, you know, it's ugly enough that you could turn the ball over four times and still win. I keep that every day of the week. Absolutely. Um, went down to catch Coach Stu's press conference after it was over, and they were having a few technical difficulties you know, getting the audio feed ready uh, when he came out to the to the podium, and so while they were, you know, scrambling around to get it fixed, and he he just kind of said, "Now, Kent, let me just talk to you all for a minute." He said, "Wasn't that a <laughs> wasn't that a thing of beauty? Wasn't that a thing of beauty?" And of course, everybody chuckled. But I mean, we've heard him use that phrase before, yeah. and they're all they're all things of beauty. I mean, Kentucky's had six things of beauty out of eight opportunities so far. Yeah, well, you you know, you consider when you, when you look at the season and how Kentucky has won, um, you know, most of their games, they've been very hard fought with. They've not blown anybody out. So the resilience of this team, I think, is very evident in the fact that these guys are um, 
are, are able to get, you know, fight back from adversity. You turn the ball over. Um, you know, we saw them do it against uh, Missouri and put themselves in some really um, crummy situations. And, you know, we, that they were in, in really had their backs against the wall against Tennessee. And, you know, the fact that they were at home I thought was really helped. But I will tell you that, you know, a lot of the crowd left at halftime. So they were, you know, it was not a packed house. Um, and it was not a full crowd in there in the, in the stadium in the second half. So um, they were kind of playing against that as well, too. So, you know, every time they've had their back against the wall in a situation in a winnable game, because I do not consider the Mississippi State game a winnable game, their back was against the wall there, and then they just got their face they face planted. So, um, But in every situation where they've had that, they've been dealt that hand, um, you know, they, they seem to be able to find a way to win. And I love that about this team. I love that about this leadership and these seniors. I mean, Steven Johnson, um, you know, this kid's going to go down as, as um, a real hero by the time this is all said and done. I mean, he's injured and, you know, comes back in the ball game and single-handedly, you know, puts his team on his shoulders to, for a game-winning drive and, and gets it done. And, you know, so I've – I love everything about this group of, of um, seniors and upperclassmen and, and the way they've led and the way they've chose, uh, chosen to conduct themselves. And um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, he's, he's right. It's, it's, he's jokingly serious about how that's a thing of beauty. And, you know, it, ugly, who cares? I mean, you know, it's uh, it, a win's a win's a win. Well, and, and Vinny and I have been saying this since the beginning of the season, uh, Christy. Kentucky football fans, you can't hold your nose when it comes to a win. You know, Kentucky uh-huh. basketball, okay, you, you don't beat Auburn by, you know, seven or eight points. You know, you go to Mississippi State, you lose by you, – you win by a couple of points. Football team, you take the W and you move on, especially against Tennessee. You know, I'm an old guy, and this is the second victory I can remember the Cats having. So – yeah. Take it and run and be happy with the record as is. I, I couldn't agree more. And, I mean, that you know, we're not playing for style points. I mean, to your point, in basketball, you're exactly right. You're always playing for style points, and that's because of, of the way seeding and things like that work out in postseason. You know, people are really, you know, the, these committees are really taking a look at wins and really overanalyzing wins. No, at this point, no. That's, that's, not, what, that's not what this is about. Um, so, you know, and I think maybe part of the, of the problem with this fan base right now, too, is that, that we just can't get past that Florida loss. It's really real. That has really gotten into to our system and we can't shake it and we can't get rid of it. Um, because you, you know, I think we all know what a golden opportunity that was. And, and, you know, now here they sit in a battle team with a fire coach and, um, you know, they're on a very different page than what this, this Kentucky team is. So I think that that one's really hard to shake. That one is really, really hard for everyone to, to just sort of put behind us as okay that we lost and, and move on. Well, yeah, and, and I wrote about that, that the, the Florida game, if we get to eight or, or nine wins, which I think is still in play, I, I don't want to hear, yeah, we had a really good season, but the Florida game. At some point you have to yeah. move on. I hear folks yeah. talk about last year and, and finishing four and four in the SEC and going bowling for the first time in several years. And it's always, well, I, I shouldn't say always, but it's, well, you know, that Southern Miss game, at, at some point yeah. you have to collectively, <laughs> you know, put that, put that Florida loss. And, and, you know, I'm not saying that I'm completely over it, but at some point you have to say, okay, that was a loss. There's still a lot of games left. 
to, to move forward yeah. and to play. And you beat Tennessee, and, and you end the season beating Louisville, you get to eight or nine wins. That's a great season in my mind. Florida lost or not, oh, yeah. I still think that's a pretty good season. I agree. And you're also at a place where, um, you know, you, you can still make some noise in the SEC East. I mean, you know, this is this is Georgia's to lose. There's no doubt about that. But, um, you know, you put yourself in a position where with it, you, you keep winning and, and other teams lose, and Kentucky could very well find itself in, the, in second place in the SEC East. And you want to talk about another great place to be. I mean, you know, come on. That's, you're really probably looking at yourself, you know, being – fifth in the SEC, you know, and, and the overall, and the overall, in the grand scheme of things, you know, behind Alabama, Georgia, um, uh, Auburn, and uh, Mississippi State, I mean, there you sit, there's Kentucky, I mean, so you're in the mix, you're right in there um, in that discussion, and I think that that is another turning point for this program, I mean, you know, yeah, yes, we were all incredibly frustrated by the fact that that was a winnable game, we should have won, there were some really bad mistakes that were made in that game that, that shouldn't have been made at this level, but, you know, it, it is what it is, you move on, you, you pick up some, some solid wins, you get yourself to eight or nine wins in a season, and, um, and you got to figure out, to your point, how to move past it and, and, and just get over it and move on. And I'm really being a Louisville guy myself. I'm pushing. I really, really want that in that last game against Louisville. That would be fantastic for me personally, uh, living here in Louisville. Sure. Oh yeah. Well, what I mean, it's a great scenario. I mean, you know, Louisville is um, is is not having as good a season as what they had last year. It's at home. I mean, lots of things could line up for that to be really, really good. I mean, you know, I think that could be. But but what I love even more about that game is the fact that Kentucky doesn't have to win it to be bowl eligible. So I love that even more, the fact that, you know, there it sits. And, it, you know, at that point, it can be a really, really, um, you know, competitive game, and that can make it a lot of fun. I mean, you know, sort of the, the pressure's off, and I think that could be a good thing for Kentucky. No pressure. You're not trying to, to get to that sixth win. You're already there. Um, at this point, you know, you can just go out there with nothing to lose, flying all over the field, and just try to get it done. And there was some talking about, to your point, Christy, that Louisville's not having the season they had last year. There's the outside chance that they could come to Kroger Field needing the Kentucky for win number six, and Kentucky could return the favor and, and you know, keep them from becoming bowl eligible the way they did the past couple of years uh, to Kentucky. Well, you rest assured nobody's going to forget what happened last season. I mean, everybody's going to remember that when they play that game and when they see that up. Everybody's going to remember exactly where we all were when Kentucky needed that sixth win and you go down. I mean, you know, it's so, so yeah, I think that there will be, um, you know, but, but I like that. I like being in that place. I like being, um, you know, what I feel, it feels like it's in more control. It feels like you have more control over your, you know, your own destiny, um, you know, you know your postseason eligible. You know that that's already signed, sealed, and delivered at this point. Um, you know these these guys know what that game's all about, and um, I think could you know could definitely be uh, could definitely be good. But what what about the fact that on November 18th, I mean, Kentucky goes to Athens and is going to play against the team that comes in number one in your college football playoff top four? I mean, the fact that Georgia leapfrog Alabama, what just happened, right? <laughs> College that, football is crazy. That, yeah, <laughs> beating Notre, beating Notre Dame will do that to you. That'll that'll get you national love because you you beat the good old Irish in South Bend, and 
know, for Florida State, I mean, it's not Bama's fault that that loss, that win isn't as, you know, solid on the resume as everybody thought it would be. And Well, see, there's people, uh, there know? are people who are worried about style points, right? I mean, that's yeah. what needs to be worried about it is what kind, you know, what kind of win did you have and, and who was the opponent and what does it look like and all that kind of stuff. That's who's worried about that, not Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Not Kentucky right. fans, you know, but because that's that's exactly what's happened, right? Is that Georgia has gotten more style points, and as you know, you take a look at at their overall body of work, sitting at you know undefeated, and and that's exactly where where Alabama is. But they were able to leapfrog them based on, um, you know, what the voters felt like. You know, here going to that playoff scenario, they should be they should have the top spot. I, I didn't see that coming, honestly. That that I was very surprised by that. Yeah. And, you know, barring if everything, if they each handle their business, the collision course will happen in Atlanta for the two of them, uh, and we'll really get to see it settle, you know, fair and square. Style points won't mean a thing when the dust settles in the new Georgia football stadium, Falcon Stadium, that has a leak in it already. So. (laughs) (laughs) God, that's brutal. Just awful. Just awful. You know, you know the Georgia dogs sitting there like, look, see, see, I was perfectly fine. Yeah. I was perfectly yeah. fine. Uh-huh. Yeah, there's been some nonsense happened to the Georgia dome too over the years. My goodness. <laughs> I went through a tornado. Y'all can't handle a little rain. Absolutely. <laughs> that was nutty. That when that tournament was going on down there, and that happened, that was that was crazy. I mean, WKYT folks were down there, you know, covering the set. Well, all all the. News stations were down there, of course, covering the tournament. But that obviously became the focal point, became the story, when people are picking up pieces of the roof and the ceiling, and they're showing that in their live shots. You're like, what is happening? Yeah, unbelievable. And flashing back to the unbelievable, you know, win Kentucky had Saturday, uh, heard you say before that you're not one that that wants to be in the press box because, you know, you have to be quiet and can't cheer and (laughs) And all that, all that etiquette and stuff they put in place. Uh, Where were you, I guess, A, when Steven Johnson ran out, B, when he made the game-winning dive into the end zone on that banged-up left shoulder, um, and then where were you through the course of action where the four fumbles were taking place where Kentucky was just gift-wrapping Tennessee opportunities yeah, in their right. own territory? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, here's what here's what happens for me because I do some on-field PA work for um, for UK. So there's a lot of commotion, and especially this past weekend there was a ton of commotion because um, they had the 06, 07, and 08 bowl championship teams that were there along with Rich Brooks, and they were honoring them. So there was, a, the, out of that group, a ton of NFL guys that were able to come and be back, um, you know, to help celebrate. And they got recognized down on the field. So, anyway, what's normally happening is is that there's some introductions to be made before the game. And then at each timeout, um, Kentucky has something or, you know, something going on and, and some kind of introduction. So, um, usually about, you know, four or five minutes uh you know, before the timeout, those people are already lining up and I'm having conversations with them. And I will guarantee you that eight times out of ten, something happens on the field and I miss it, okay? So then oh. I'm freaking out and I'm running around asking everybody, what just happened? What just happened? What, what, what's going on? So I, I never know half the time what, what's going on because there's, there's always something that's distracting me and something that's happening. So most of the fumbles I did not see. I did see the, the, the one on, the, on Kentucky's first series. I did catch that one. It was like, you got to be kidding me. But I was down in the far end zone where the team runs out of the locker room. 
um, that's kind of my hold-up spot and where I stay uh, from the time the game starts until a little after halftime. And um, so I did see that one. And um, then the others, I will tell you that the early ones, I did not see. And I just, you know, I'm running around going, "Who found, what, what just happened? Who was that? Who did that? What in the world's going on? So after halftime, when my duties are done, typically um, it's, it, it happens after the band starts, then I will go to my seats. I actually have season tickets in Section 2, and so my family's all up there, and I'll go up and sit with them and, uh, and hang with them for the rest of the game. So um, that's where I ended up. It's better there, too, because you have a lot of people, and it's not nearly as cold when it's not freezing. Um, so, uh, that was pretty cool. And that's also where I went for the Florida game because I kept thinking to myself, everybody's getting ready to storm this field after the Darius West interception, I kind of turned and looked and I was kind of taking it all in and was watching all this stuff. And I turned and looked at a couple of the marketing folks and I said, I'm going to go sit in my seat because we're fixing to win this thing. And I want to be able to watch everybody storm the field. I don't want to lose my job, so I'm not going to. And I'm going to go sit in my seat so I can take all this in and watch it. And then, of course, we all know what happened. But um, that was kind of my take on this one, too, is, you know, I, I feel pretty good about it and thought, you know, the fact that Kentucky could turn the ball over and all Tennessee could get out of it at any given time was three points. I felt pretty good about where we were in that scenario. So I thought, well, let's just go hang, you know, at that point I just get to be a fan um, and can go hang. And uh, so then that's when I, you know, get to yell and scream and holler and, and be with, with all the crazy people, which is a perfect place for me. But now I will tell you that I get a little nutty in that end zone. Sometimes the marketing people laugh because they said, you know, they worry at some point that, you know, I'm going to run out on the field screaming and yelling and, and hollering. So I'm, I'm, I'm fangirl down there on the field for sure. I, I think they would have made an exception had the Florida game gone like we all hoped. I think you could have been all right. You think? Yeah, they'd have been, yeah. Well, maybe. Yeah, that could have been all right. Well, look, here's what I'll tell you is, and I usually have, you know, a lot of times I have eyes on Mitch Barnhart and I kind of watch him because you, there's nobody any more intense watching a game than UK's athletics director, Mitch Barnhart. I mean, this guy is in it. I mean, he is 100% in it, and he will pace up and down the sidelines just like a coach, and he's yelling at the official. I mean, you know, like, he's in it. He is absolutely in it. He's so intense. So I told, you know, I told them before, I'm like, look, if he goes, I'm going. You know, like, I'm going to keep eyes on him, and I'm doing what Mitch is doing because I'm not getting in trouble that way. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Now, you know, when Kentucky beat Tennessee in 2011, uh, the field was stormed then. Uh, I was there. I stormed. Uh, did you storm that day? Did you I storm didn't, that I day? I did not. No, no, I didn't. I sat up in the stands and took pictures and, uh, you know, was kind of thinking, well, now what? Like, how do they, you know, they have to send everybody? <laughs> how they can get everybody out of there? <laughs> um, but, no, I didn't. But it was fun. It was fun to sort of be up a little bit higher watching all that go, go down and watching everybody uh, do that. That was that was pretty cool. Yeah, because, I mean, I was telling Terry when we started the show, you know, I'm from Harlan County, from Cumberland, just like Freddie. Uh, yeah. I've heard, you know, I think Matt Jones from Bell County has said the same thing, how much it means to beat Tennessee. Uh, where we grew up, it's the same distance from Lexington as it is to Knoxville. You had just as much, if not more, Knoxville news stations when you, you know, turn on the news as a kid growing up as you, as you did Lexington. You got WKYT. I don't think we didn't get WLEX. 
We got a couple from Knoxville. You also had Kingsport and Bristol news that you would get from you know that area of Tennessee. Um, WIMP, the Hazard. Yeah, got Hazard. Yep. Yeah, yep. yeah. Uh-huh. But you got just as much Tennessee stuff as you did Kentucky, and maybe more Knoxville than Lexington. As a matter of fact, I saw Bob Kesling Saturday up in the box, and I just went and said hello to him because, you know, I knew his voice just sure, as much yeah. as I did everybody else. Yeah, he's legendary. Absolutely. Yeah, so, so to to finally see us beat them, because they've been beat us year after year after year after year in football, and this is only the second one I remember. I don't remember 84. I was, I was yep. seven. I don't remember. So we got right. 11 and 17. It's, it's good to finally finally see it start happening. No matter how it looks, how, how ugly it is, according to some fans, I don't care. I'm, I'm, yeah. Well, I agree because, you know, that's, that's – and Freddie and I talked about it on the pregame radio show on Saturday. Like, the, the bottom line is, is that even though this is a down year for Tennessee, every, even though if they have – you know, everybody wants – Butch Jones' head on a platter, it's still Tennessee. And when you look across the board at the the guys that they've signed and that they bring in, they're still four-star guys. They're still four-star kids. So, you know, when you're talking about recruiting services and all this kind of stuff, I mean, these are still guys that were very sought after that, you know, chose to go to Tennessee. So what I'm telling you is is that they're good, right? I mean, these guys are, are pretty good. They're good athletes. They're they're dangerous at any given time. So you know this was this was kind of a loaded gun in a lot of ways. That you know Tennessee is not very good this year. Tennessee is you know there's probably going to be sooner rather than later a coaching change or or there you know another AD came out and said he was supporting. Either way, something's going to happen, right? Something's going to happen there. The fan base is livid and furious about what's going on. But it's still an SEC caliber team with SEC caliber athletes. So I think that in and of itself had everybody on notice that this could be a very dangerous game. And, um, you know, that's what you know, Freddie had said even too, that, you know, trying to break down that game and, and really watch video, you know, watch film and try to figure out their tendencies. He said it was pretty boring, you know, because it's not, it, it, there wasn't much there really for him to kind of take a look at and, and really, you know, talk about, be able to talk about. So, um, all of that having been said doesn't mean doesn't mean anything when you consider that this could really be a very, you know, a very sad, sad situation for Kentucky where it's a game they're supposed to win, it's a game they should win, it's a game everybody's saying they're going to win, and then they turn around and don't. So, um, with, you know, all that having been said, the fact that you can win win and, and it can't come down to that last play. Like, are you kidding me, that last play to end up on yes. the – Friggin' yeah. two yard line. What? I mean, I you know, come on. So no matter how you slice it, it's a win. And and I, I'm like you guys. I'll I'll take it. I'll take it all day, every day. And to to Bush Jones's defense, even though it's not going to matter, it's just it's not really going to matter. Tennessee hadn't quit on him. I mean, when they played Alabama the week before, Alabama didn't go up twenty-eight nothing in the first five minutes of the game. Tennessee defense was actually, you know, forcing stops and, and getting three and outs and things of that nature. So the, the defense was giving effort. These running backs this past Saturday that backed up John Kelly were running mm-hmm. hard. That Ty Chandler yep. and that Philomene kid were running hard all night. Um, you know, poor Christian Westry could, you know, he was got the bad end of one of those collisions. Um, so. They were trying. Now, of course, Tennessee, you got to do more than that. 
and losing to Kentucky football, the way we are as basketball fans, we when we say maybe lose to Mississippi State or Auburn or have a closer than we think should be game against Mississippi State or Auburn and we're all appalled, that's how they are when they lose to Kentucky football. Just, oh, oh, they can't, it, it just doesn't register. Yeah. It doesn't yeah, register. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah, how, did that how in the world? And, well, you know what? That that's the thing, right? Is everybody? You can look at your SEC schedule, and and everybody's done it. They've done it for years. Fans in the SEC have done it for years. You know where you're getting a win, and you know where you're getting a lot. You know, you know where you're not. And so that is a hundred percent the case with Kentucky. That you you know you're not going to go um, down the list and tick that off as a loss, um, an automatic loss every year now. And and you know that's. I'm not sure that the fan base can ask for much more than that right now. You know, yes, we're, they're, they're doing all the right things. They're getting the right athletes in here. They're getting talent in here. They're getting depth in here. They're getting size. All the things that we need, we're stealing players away from Ohio State. And, um, you know, we th- this coaching staff has absolutely owned the state of Ohio when it comes to um, – to recruiting, and so you know, the, all of those things are working in in Kentucky's favor. So, you know, it, it does require some level of patience, and and no one has that in any aspect of their life, much less college football, <laughs> right now. That you want to be patient when it comes to anything. So, um, you know, I, I I think where there have there been mistakes made this this season? Absolutely, there have been. I mean, you can look at certain games and say that you know that Stoops got out coached and, and got, you know, there, absolutely there are. But at the same time, what you have to understand, too, is he's still only in his fifth year as a head coach. He came here, this was his head, first head coaching job. So yeah. um, there are going to be mistakes made. There are going to be, you know, learning experiences um, that, you know, you have to take away from this kind of thing. Do I think that, that there will ever be another scenario where a team lines up with a wide open wide receiver coming out of a timeout and we get scored on ever again, never again while Mark Stoops is here as coach. I don't think that'll ever happen again. Um, yeah. But that came from a really crappy, awful, horrible situation that happened with Florida, right? I mean, that's that, yeah. you know, so it's a little bit of a trade off in, in that regard. But to your point, I mean, the fact that, that we can all, say, hey, we're going to remember exactly where we were when Kentucky finally started a winning streak against Tennessee. We're all going to remember this year. This is, this is going to be the season when there was, we really turned a corner that, um, that it's not about losing to Tennessee anymore. It's about, it's about winning and how many times are we going to beat them. Yeah. And a different kind of streak started. Absolutely. It sounds like fandom. Oh. You know what I mean? Like, I sound like a super fan talking like that, but I'm on that page. I mean, I'm on that page. It's perfectly okay. Oh, one last thing I want to ask, too, with, of course, you host the show with Freddie uh, beside the Notre Field House for home games. For road games, I know you guys used to be in the studio, and now you're at various different Kroger's around Lexington. Do you like that better, or does it change up your routine of, of what you normally do now? As opposed, when you as as far as getting home and watching the game is concerned, listen, Freddie Maggard loves it because people at Kroger just keep constantly feeding him and and shoving food <laughs> in his face. Listen, we at the first Kroger stop, we were over, we were at Tate's Creek, and they just kept bringing him food. And I was like, you do know we're like twenty seconds from going on the air, right? I mean, you do know that you have ribs all over your face. 
if you had, I mean, just elbow deep and some, you know, whatever they bring, he was eating it. And, and you know, like we're doing a show here for crying out loud. He didn't care. He did not care. Usually one of the more hilarious things I've, I've ever seen. So Freddie loves being at Kroger because they feed him so well. Um, and I've, you know what? It's been great. Kroger has been awesome um, about it. It's been a great partnership with the University of Kentucky in a lot of different ways. I know they they really caught a lot of flack for, for changing the name. Um, I hate to tell everybody, but this is where athletics is going. You know, college athletics, you can look across the country and see – a lot of teams, a lot of um, basketball teams and a lot of football teams that play in arenas and stadiums that have naming rights. And this is sort of the the, the way of the world anymore. And, um, you know, a lot of people have said, hey, I'm going to keep calling the Commonwealth Stadium, and I think that's fine. You can absolutely do that. Um, but Kroger paid a lot of money to not just have their name on the stadium, but to have a true partnership with the university, and I can tell you that one of the cooler things that they do that um, some folks may or may not know is that they're they're helping feed the athletes. So they have a nutritionist on staff, Monica Fowler at UK, who is wonderful, and she is really, really doesn't mean that he's going to run through McDonald's and grab 45 Big Macs. That means he needs to be eating the right kinds of food, and that's what Monica does is she helps him understand if you've got to bump up and start eating a 1,000 more calories a day, what does that mean and what does that look like? So they have a kitchen, a full kitchen over in the old nutter um, where they are set up to, to cook and they do that. They go in and they learn about spices and how things taste and how to cook things and how to prepare food. And Kroger helps provide them the food to be able to do that. So, um, you know, I, I love all of that on so many levels, but what you'll hear the athletes say is that they're learning things that they can take with them once they're done and they leave the University of Kentucky. So they know how to um, go, first of all, be out on their own and cook for themselves and be able to feed themselves so they're not having to eat out all the time, but also what foods to eat. Um, and be healthier, and so, you know, these are life lessons that they're learning, and Kroger's helping them do that, and so it's a, it's a pretty cool scenario in that regard, and um, so, no, we, we love being at Kroger. It's a great scenario. Fans have come out to, to see us, and, you know, the Wildcat makes a pop in, and the cheerleaders come, and, you know, it's been a really cool uh, cool environment for us to be in. Well, that's cool. We, we enjoy the show wherever you are, on location, at Kroger, home game, road game, even back in the studio. But it's cool uh, with the twist that you get to be out and about, uh, even when Kentucky is away from Kroger Field, and Freddie gets to just get his grub on, basically. So that's, that's, oh, my that's, gosh, that's, y'all. That's everybody wins. Everybody, <laughs> everybody wins. wins. Oh, everybody wins. Well, and we love it. We love being with people. You know, like this, this past week, we were anticipating some rain. We weren't sure. It was obviously cold. We moved inside another, and Freddie and I were, were not happy with that because we like, I don't care how cold it is, we like being outside. We like being with the people. So we love when people come see us and wave at us and talk to us and want to take pictures. And, um, you know, everybody loves coming up and, and being able to, to talk shop with Freddie and, you know, that kind of thing. They listen to his, his podcast and, 
and all that. And um, so we absolutely love that. So if you are at a home game, come see us over there at Nutter right after the catwalk. We love, you know, a lot of folks will stop in and give us a wave after that. We love it. We love hearing from you on Twitter. We love giving you shout outs and hearing what's going on out there. And then, um, of course, come see us at Kroger for the next, uh, we'll be, the next away game we're going to be in Versailles. So we'll be at Freddie's home base, uh, the Kroger there, and then we'll be in Beaumont in Lexington at the Kroger there. So two more stops along the way. And um, so we'd love to have everybody, anybody and everybody come see us and say, hey. Yeah, definitely. It's always, it's always fun watching y'all in action do that. And we appreciate you taking the time to, to hop on with us tonight and, We'll definitely have to get you on to talk some women's basketball, you know, a few weeks or months here. from now. Yeah, yeah. man, it's here. They're going to uh, kick things off November 10th. will be our first game on the SEC network, uh, so SEC Plus. Um, Jeff Picoro and I are doing a, a good uh, number of games on SEC Plus, so we'd love to see everybody um, tune in there. And, uh, yeah, going to be – they've got some good talent coming in. So uh, it's gonna, it should be a fun season. They, they're going to have um, a lot of new faces, much like the men. Um, but they're going to play fast, they're athletic, and they're going to be fun to watch. And hey, we can't wait, and we look forward to having you on again to, to, to dive into that also. Love it. Happy to come on anytime. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks so much, Christy. Have Thank a good you. Evening. You too. That was Christy Thomas, UK Sports Network, Texas Roadhouse Countdown to Kickoff with our homie Freddie Maggard. Uh, always fun getting her perspective. <clears throat> Got down there. Terry Brown routine of getting down there uh, at least three or four hours before the game, um, especially for the Missouri game where it was still fall weather. Uh, just kind of hung out a couple hours before I went to the press box. So went over there by Nutter uh, where Christian Freddie, Curtis Birch, and all were set up outside doing the show. And, you know, just – Watch them do the show, uh, send a couple tweets, and, of course, talk a little trash to Curtis while they were doing the show from point blank range. Uh, so it's always fun watching them do that and take the calls and hearing the interviews they get to do with the players. It was freezing this past Saturday, so uh, I still went over there and checked them out. And, of course, like you said, they were inside the other house. Uh, went in there. Uh, the gymnastics team were signing autographs. And the kids were running around and playing, so it was it was a fun scene inside of Nutter. Uh, still went over there and got to holler at Christian Freddie. Uh, and it's always fun watching them do their thing, and it's always cool when they come on our show as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's a, It's great to get their perspective on it. Uh, I know you got to give a shout-out to, to your homeboy, uh, Freddie. Uh, when, whenever possible. <laughs> yeah, let's see. I got to get Dad down to uh, a game. I don't know if we'll try to go to the Louisville game as fans or or something like that, or, or make a little national trip to this Vandy game. We we'll have to see. But that's the first thing Freddie said. He said, "Your Dad come with you?" I said, "Not this time. I just came and covering it." But uh, we'll have to see if we can squeeze us in a little trip with me and Pops. Maybe get the boys, do a little boys trip like we did one time to get one in before the season's over with. So uh, always a lot of fun, and it's even more fun when Kentucky is winning. And you and I know, Terry, in years past, <clears throat> this 6-2 and two could have been 2-6, and six, especially with all these close games. We've seen a lot of heartbreakers that haven't gone Kentucky's way. 
and they've been on the wrong side of a lot of these games that they've won this year. And and you can you can say, uh, I, I think it's fair to say, you know, we we should have beat Florida. I, I get that, but and and, you, and it's fair because I was very open with you uh, at the beginning of the show saying it, I was that drive before the drive when they went three and out when the Cats did. I was frustrated with the play calling. That's okay. What's not okay is to say things like, I just want to see some improvement. Well, look, Stoops is going from two wins to five to five to seven to, I mean, there's winnable games, Ole Miss, Vandy. You know, there's winnable games out there. They can get to eight wins this year. What are you, what are you looking for? That, to me, is improvement. Okay, yeah. say – I don't like these close games. We should be putting these teams away. Well, in, in what Freddie, Freddie does in his analysis, he looks at the numbers and will tell you that Eastern Michigan is not as bad as you might think, even though they're not power five. Southern Miss, not as bad. Maybe Mississippi State, better than, better than their record indicates, things like that. So – Say, you know what? I'd like for the games not to be as close. But at six and two, can you really get upset? That—that's no. my thing. And and people talking about Stoops's job, and 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 things like that. And again, check my Twitter feed. I have said those two plays uncovering the wide receiver against Florida. That's inexcusable. That that's a that's a mm-hmm. you, you can't have that happen. And, and the, the, you know, the fumbles against Tennessee, obviously you don't want that kind of thing to happen, but it does happen. You know, Alabama has had games like that, right? I mean, it, it just it, – it, football, it just, it just happens. So I didn't buy into all these folks saying, you know, it's smoke and mirrors, this team, whatever, whatever. Uh, because you can say, oh, you know what, they can be two and six, but they're six and two. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, I saw Freddie yeah. get into it with a fan going back and forth. He said, if you take out the Mississippi State game and this game, our opponent's records with it. Look, man, you can cherry pick any, any stats you want to. Where the stats themselves are true, you know, there's lies, damn lies, and statistics. You can take whatever segment. I can look at the 1996 Kentucky men's basketball team and say, you know what? They were only 500 against UMass that year. They were just one and one against UMass, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, I can, I can. Right. That's factual. That's factual. But does that tell the whole story? And what I have been saying forever and ever, and I'm gonna keep saying, the slow, gradual climb. I think Stoops is gonna be here for a while. He's going to make his name just like his brother Bob did at Oklahoma, right? I just have a feeling that's going to be the case. That being said, I would much rather have this slow burn, this slow buildup versus going from three wins to nine to ten wins, you know, a couple years in a row, and then next thing you know, the NCAA is on campus. It happens all the time. Look at Ole Miss. Look at Ole Miss. When we were coming up after the Eli Manning run, they were horrible. 
then all of a sudden they're beating Alabama at Alabama. They're they're yeah. getting recruits, you know, going against Alabama. Really? And then the next thing you know, and it always happens. Every time a team gets too good too soon in football, raises your eyebrows. But if you look at the systemic changes that the coaching staff has done at UK, you look at the investment into the facilities, into the coaching staff that the athletic department has made, and you can say to yourself, okay, you know, the recruiting is there. And, and we're not – to the point where we can go in and we can, you know, take an Alabama recruit. But we are at the point where the guys we want are also getting interest from other schools. I remember when we, we couldn't beat out, you know, one double A teams for recruits. Yeah. And now, as you have said before, you know, you, to beat, we're in people's top three or four. That's a slow, gradual climb. And that's what I feel comfortable and confident in saying. This team's figured, the coaches are figuring out how to win. It, it's a learning curve. So I don't know all these people that are just waiting on the sidelines for the first fumble, the first interception, the first three and out to say, that's so Kentucky football. Look, these kids, we, we talked about this before, they don't know the history. And I, I feel as fans, we're holding that history of Kentucky football not being that successful over the current team, and I don't think that's very fair. I mean, it's human nature, but I don't think yeah. that's very fair. Well, Kentucky football has broken my heart before. Not these players. Yeah. You know, it, was, it wasn't Coach Stoops that, that uh, uh, you know, that, that got the Gatorade on him for LSU and the Bluegrass Mirror. That was, it's totally different players. It would be just like getting mad at Coach Cal because Rick Pitino didn't guard Grant Hill against Duke. What do you, the two things have nothing in common. So I like what I'm seeing. Every one of those six wins, you and I have seen in our 40 years, uh, those are games that could have gone the other way. Four, four turnovers, that's slumped shoulders, that's bad body language. That's a loss, all right? That, that Florida heartbreaking loss becomes two or three losses. We have seen it. We have seen it. So being six and two, and you still have winnable Ole Miss, winnable Vanderbilt, Louisville's not as, as dominant as they would lead you to believe. And let me just say, I may be crazy saying it because they've looked great so far. Georgia, to me, typically has a stinker game at some point along the season. I'm not saying it'll be against us. It could be before they get to – Georgia's going to have a stinker game at some point. So, like Christy was saying, you get to where you're second in the East. That's huge. And I know I'm rambling, but one last little point here. You know, we talked before last year about beating Missouri – uh, now we've beaten them a couple years in a row, beaten South Carolina. We want to beat Vanderbilt. You want to be able to say, okay, as a program, where are we in relation to everybody else? So I'm still going to say ahead of South Carolina in the East, still going to say ahead of uh, Missouri in the East. 
hopefully knock wood ahead of Vanderbilt in the East. But now, with coaching changes coming, I, I feel confident saying ahead of Tennessee in the East. So they're moving in the right direction. And I get it, these programs are historically down. But still, Kentucky's got to make their move. Make your move now. That way, if Tennessee and Florida come back up, you're in a better position than you have been historically. So I feel confident heading into the last part of this season, uh, as we head into the last month uh, of the season. Uh, I mean, it's 6-2. and two. You get to eight and four. I think that's a pretty good a pretty good mark. Nine wins still still at play. Because as you said, if Louisville comes to town, needing that win, I think that's a different mindset. I know they got Lamar Jackson, and and, and don't get me wrong about that. Uh, I, I know he's going to be phenomenal. Uh, but still, that's a, a situation I would much rather be in than us looking for that bowl eligible win. Yeah, and Kentucky would have a chance to for a little payback. You know, y'all knocked us out of boat eligibility twice in a row with five wins. Kentucky had the lead in both of those games, jumped out and jumped on Louisville and couldn't hold on to the lead. So if, if Kentucky has the chance, you know, to to keep a five-win Louisville team to make them leave Lexington five and seven, that would be a little added motivation. Not only had a motivation <clears> – <throat> of enhancing the bowl game that they're going to get to play in, you know, by winning, you know, you keep working your way up the ladder and, and, and getting a better bowl for yourself. But then you add in the fact that, hey, we can keep them at home and keep them from not even getting to a bowl, then that would be uh, a little extra something for them to play for should they need something to get up for that game. But it's Kentucky-Louisville. You don't, you don't need to get up anything to get up for that one. That, that's, that, that motivates itself on both sides. And Louisville's defense is bad. They've given up historical numbers to Wake Forest and Boston College. Louisville's defense is bad. I mean, even Purdue looked like world beaters at the beginning of the season. Uh, yeah. Yeah, sure and, and it's a shame. Sure it's a shame because Lamar Jackson is putting on, I think, a better season than he had last year. It's not him. You know, he's still accounting for 400 yards of offense per game, but the defense is getting – I mean, it was 670 yards of offense at Wake Forest that they gave up. Are you kidding yeah. me? Mm-hmm. And, and so with that, uh, I, like our, I like our chances. I, I think if we can get into a, a shootout I, – I, I mean, it was kind of a shootout last year uh, – I, I, I like our chances with that, but man, the, the wheels have fallen off at U of L, and, and I know a lot of Louisville folks were kind of looking at the football team to kind of carry them through these dark times, and it's just not. It's just been, it's just been dreadful all around. It really has been. Uh, what I thought was ironic was uh, last week against Wake Forest. Wake Forest scores a touchdown on like a forty or fifty yard pass play with a minute or so left and Louisville fans would be moaning the lack of class and running up the score. And then I had to stop, and I had to scratch my head for a second, and I had to look. I got on the Google machine. I said, oh, but your head coach is Bobby Petrino. That's his thing. That's what he does. What are you talking about? 
so um, yeah. I thought that was ironic or or, or whatnot. Um, yeah, because as you know, I think he's done that. I think he's done it twice against us. So uh, very yeah. interesting. And when, <laughs> and when they beat Florida, when they hung, when they hung sixty on Florida State, and then I don't know if they didn't get as high up in the playoff ranking as they thought, then he he said something to the fact he was quoted as saying, "Well, maybe we should have hung eighty on Florida State." So it is this, you know, that's real rich coming from fans who cheer for Bobby Petrino coach team to talk about class and, and <laughs> etiquette and decency and gentlemanship all of a sudden. Yeah. Things going their way. <laughs> I just want to say, yeah, you might, you, you might want to sit this one out. You, you might just want to not exactly. uh, get involved in, in that one. So, uh, the, the football team six and two. We've got we've got volleyball tonight that I'm gonna keep track yes. of here. That's gonna start here pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's Florida right. coming to town. Uh, mm-hmm. The volleyball team are they number? Is it number four? Is that what they're up to now? Yeah, yeah they're number four and Florida's number six. Got a top ten matchup about to jump off in Memorial Coliseum in minutes. Yeah, it is. And it, it, it's become must-see TV. So uh, for all those folks, again, and I know that the recently fired AD here in, in, in town, Tom Jurich, a lot of people will tell you, best AD in the country. A lot of those people wear red and black. For my money, you look at the programs at the University of Kentucky. I mean, the, the, the volleyball team is played lights out. Lights out. Uh, I'm actually going to take the girls to the game on Sunday. Uh, we're going to make a road trip into Lexington to, to see the uh, uh, to see the uh, the ladies play. Uh, but just almost every team at some is a top 25 ranked team. I'm, that's yep. ridiculous. That that ain't not bad, as they say. So uh, that's right. Uh, I'll, I'll definitely take it. I'm going to keep track of that. Uh, our our boss man Cameron Mills is there uh, at Memorial yeah. uh, for the game to to, to kind of cover that as well. So uh, pretty pretty excited about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and Hunter Mitchell's been cranking out articles all season long, and he's been doing photography and and even on the show on Sunday he kind of brings the the women's volleyball update. So. Uh, definitely anxious to see how the rematch goes against Florida. Kentucky went down to Gainesville already. Florida was ranked number one and, and took it to them. Uh, and now we get to see the rematch in Lexington. Uh, Gators wanting to come in and prove that it was a fluke. Kentucky wanting to sweep the season series and keep this winning streak going. I think they won 14 matches in a row. And I think I remember that. I saw that correctly. But uh, they have been playing lights out. Um, and, you know, just keeping that momentum rolling as tournament time approaches. We'll get us a quick break. Didn't hear from Kayla Moore, so maybe we can get her on another time. Uh, but definitely want to talk some high school basketball with her because she covers the bluegrass like no other. So definitely want to talk about that so that we can reschedule with Kayla. We got some 90s R&B conversation coming up about 730 JR from JR's World of Soul will be here to talk a little SWV, 
you and I talk music a little bit, haven't really dove into it like we're about to uh, towards the tail end of the show. So uh, a, a group, SWV, from the early 90s, back when we were just starting high school, going to get a little recognition this coming Sunday at the BET Soul Train Awards. We'll have JR on to talk about that. You mentioned the volleyball uh, matchup with the Kentucky women against Florida. Also got a game seven, this time on the baseball diamond. Dodgers Astros from L.A. for all the marbles. Talk about that. And got to, as I hate to, got to flash back to last Wednesday's show. We were looking forward to this Lonzo Ball-John Wall matchup, Lakers-Wizards, <laughs> and I was hoping to see the Lakers take an L. That didn't happen. We'll talk about that as well. We'll take us a quick break right now. I'll be right back in a couple of minutes. This is Cast Talk Wednesday. Vinny Hardy, Terry Brown, BlockTalkRadio.com. We'll be right back in a couple. said that Kentucky was trailing 12 to 9. Uh, they went on a 3 0 run. So Florida was up 12 to 6. Kentucky scored three straight to make it 12 to 9. Uh, he said Florida was being very physical at the net. But uh, Kentucky has been a team of adjustments. They, they talked about the match against LSU where they dropped the first two 
games. And it was the best three out of five. They were down 2-0 back against the wall, and they rallied back to win three straight games to take the match 3-2. to So uh, you know the Cats will definitely make an adjustment, and this is definitely going to be uh, a great match. I mean, big time, two top ten teams. It's going to be a fun one. And the Cats aren't going to go quietly. The Florida's got to leave, but it's not like Kentucky's about to lay down and just punk out. Oh, absolutely, absolutely not. So let's go and get your Lakers stuff out of the way. You know, John Wall didn't talk. Gortat, you know, tweeted out what John Wall was going to do to Lonzo Ball. You know, the whole no mercy thing. And, you know, to my chagrin, the Lakers won the game. And the Wizards just got up to a bad start. I turned it on, and it took them like five minutes till they got their first bucket. So you know, the, the late-arriving Lakers fans were able to get excited and get into the game, and uh, the Wizards had to kind of dig themselves out of a hole and, and get themselves going. And, you know, unfortunately, the Lakers won. That's kind of my take on it. Unfortunately, the Lakers won. Well, you know, like I've said uh, before, I'm on the – I haven't been on the ball bandwagon. But, you know, obviously I'm I'm, I'm a a Lakers guy. So uh, my concern has been Papa Ball making Lonzo, giving him a a big target. And he's handled it really, really well, I think. From what I can tell, the the team, the other players, are really kind of using that as a rallying point and um, kind of using that as, you know, hey, we got we got your back, which I think is a pretty good uh, situation that you want to have with a, with a young player. So uh, I was glad they showed a lot of grit. Uh, Ingram has been fantastic. Uh, Julius Randle uh, has been. Is kind of is finding his niche. So yeah, I, I think they're they're winning some games. I didn't anticipate them winning. Uh, so uh, so I feel good about that. Definitely, definitely. So um, I think Luke Walton even said that you know uh, something to the fact that that, that does motivate them or. Uh, we feel the need to get defensive when, you know, people come at our players or come at, you know, members of our team or something like that. Well, yeah, and, and that's what you want to see with a, with a young guy that you know people are going to try to, uh, whether it's isolations or, or screens or getting physical like crazy Patrick Beverly. Uh, <laughs> you gotta, you, you, I think that's a great uh, – I think that's a great kind of rallying cry for the whole team, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. So, congrats to the Lakers. They they went out there and took care of business, and you know a lot was going to be made out of it, or a lot was trying to be made out of it, and they kind of squashed all of it with the way they played. So, um, well, you know, as as Lakers fans, you know, with you've been to the finals thirty three times as a franchise, and. You go into practice every day and you look up at the 16 championship banners. It, it's one of those things you you know how to deal with adversity. Uh, with Magic Johnson on the staff there, he can say, "Hey, look, 
in my nine trips to the finals and winning five titles, this is what I've learned. And, and he can really bestow that information uh, on those guys. Yes. Yes, indeed. Uh, game seven of the World Series, speaking of L.A., we'll just move on from Staples Center to uh, Dodger Stadium. This series, well, we haven't talked about MLB. Our teams weren't in the fight for much of the season. But for the second year in a row, the World Series has lived up to the building, been as good as advertised, been better than advertised. You had a game seven last year, I guess, with two teams that had decade-long World Series droughts with the Cubs and Indians. Uh, so either way, somebody's streak was going to come to an end. And Cleveland was up 3-1, and we saw the Cubs rally and went three in a row. Uh, you got the Dodgers, you know, one of the – Blue Blood franchises, even going back to the Brooklyn days, Jackie Robinson, uh, breaking the color barrier, then they moved to L.A., um, and been a strong team as well. Hadn't won the World Series since 88, and you and I were in <laughs> elementary school. Uh, against the Astros, who came into the series, you know, you and I grew up there in the National League, but they switched a few years ago there in the A.L., they won 100-plus games just like the Dodgers did. Houston was looking to win their first World Series game. It was back in 05 when they got there. They were swept by the Chicago White Sox. And, you know, the old saying is not a series until you win on the other team's court, field, arena, whatever. Houston was able to uh, to get a win in the first two games at L.A. They got a split. Uh, you saw the Dodgers get a game in Houston to come back to L.A. trailing 3-2. to two. Saw them force the game seven last night. Unfortunately for me, you know, I've tried to stay up and kind of watch it. And, you know, I'll go to bed and it's 1-1 one to one or 2-2. Two to two And, you know, then you wake up and then it's, you, know, you had that 7-6 to six game the other night. And then game before last, game five was 13-12. to 12. The Houston one, there was, all the fireworks were happening after I had just surrendered and went to sleep. But this series has had everything, and now it all comes down to, to game seven for both of these teams here in just a few minutes. Yeah, uh, and, and Dan Schulman, not Dan Schulman, I forget who, uh, the, the call in the game, but, you know, the, the managers, all, you know, all pitchers are available. And I'm thinking, I'd like to hope so. <laughs> If not, what are you waiting on? I don't care who you are. You're going back out there. It's game seven. I, I, I don't care. I don't care. So to get back-to-back World Sevens and, uh, game seven World Series is, is, is fantastic. Uh, like you, I, I used to be able to watch every pitch of, and every at-bat. Don't quite make it, especially with my teams not being in it like I used to. But yeah. – uh, I don't. I don't think that baseball could have scripted the last two World Series any better. Uh, great storylines. You know, L.A. had that blistering start, stumbled for a stretch, uh, kind of stumbled mm-hmm. toward the finish line. Uh, Houston, and, and and everyone knows what Houston has been through as a city this past year. It would be fantastic as a backdrop. I think for a morale boost for that city, for the Astros uh, to win. Uh, so I don't, I don't know what you're going to see. It seems like every game seven uh, that really jumps out at me, there's, there's just, you know, there's a weird something. 
you know, whether it was last year and the rain delay. Uh, I remember back in uh, 2001 where for that one moment, Mariano Rivera looked human against Luis Gonzalez, uh, going back to 97 with the Indians and the, and the Marlins and Levon Hernandez really, you know, kind of shutting the door. Uh, I remember back your Braves and the, and the twins back in 91, uh, you know, that, that series. So, uh, oh, oh boy. Oh my goodness. Well, you just don't know what you're going to see. And, and because, uh. I don't think we'll see a pitcher that's going to go six or seven innings. I don't see that happening. So it is going to be a slugfest. The managers are going to make their money. Um, I mean, it's one of these too close to call. Uh, I'll probably go with the uh, with the Dodgers being at home to, to to pick it up. That would be my my baseball analysis. Yeah, I'm, I'm I picked Dodgers in six. From the get go, and my only reason, basically, and a lot of people might not know as much about Houston. You know, the Dodgers have kind of been their window is right now. They've been in the postseason for several years. Houston's kind of been building to this point. They were terrible, you know, flat farm system. They kind of developed it and kind of gotten good, and now are about to start their window as long as they play their cards right. So. It's not like Houston was such a huge underdog. I mean, we were just talking about how they both won 100 games this year. But the Dodgers were more well-known. I went Dodgers in six just because of home field. Uh, Van Howes, former UKDB that was on with us a few, years, a few weeks ago, gave me grief because he's an Astros fan, and so he was, he was kind of chewing me out on Twitter, you know, busting me a little bit for, for disrespecting his strolls. Uh, so... Either way, I was wrong. I was wrong about Dodgers in six. It might be Dodgers in seven. It might be Astros in seven. But it, it really has been nip and tuck. I mean, because they are both that good. You know, Houston is not some huge underdog that's playing out of their mind. And then they go in and get Justin Verlander, who is, you know, a beast. We remember him with the Tigers for all these years. Uh, the Dodgers got to him last night, you know, to the tune of three to one, if you want to call that getting to him. And they were able to force game seven. So it's going to be uh, a very fun end to the seven-game series. And like you said, two great game sevens in a row last year and this year. Um, You talked about 1991. Had to bring up the heartbreak my Atlanta Braves went through. They lost one and nothing to the Twins in ten innings. Never should have gotten to that situation because they should have won in game six. Bobby Cox should have never brought Charlie Libra in to face Kirby Puckett, but I'm not bitter. So let's, I'm not even going to rehash all that. I'm not bitter. I was 14. I remember it like it was yesterday, but I'm not bitter. I'm not trying to be petty. I was just talking about the early 90s because we're going to segue right on in to the tail end of the show because a year after the Braves played the Twins in Game 7 of that World Series, 1992, one of my favorite girl groups of all time, put themselves on the map with their first album. Talking about SWV, you and I were texting TV. You, of course, we're the same age. They had the same impact on you as they did me. We both love that 90s R&B. And we're bringing our guest on right now 
to talk about it with us. He's a little bit younger than us, but he's got crazy mad R&B knowledge. He runs a website called jrsworldofsoul.com, coming to us from New York City, the NYC. We got JR. JR, welcome to Cash Talk Wednesday, man. Thanks for joining the show. How you doing? How y'all doing? Thank y'all for having me on. I appreciate it. We thank you for coming. Man. Yes, yes. And TV, I don't know if you got a chance to check him out on Twitter. Um, at Music Soul Nick. So he's, he's a Knicks fan, a music fan. His Twitter handle says it all. For all y'all listening, check That's out his website, jazzworldofsoul.com, because he talks about all that music we like, Terry, all that music we grew up with. Because he's a little younger than us, don't mean he doesn't know what he's talking about, man. He is all over it. Does YouTube videos to beat the band. This man knows his stuff, and it, it's fun to watch and fun to listen and, and and learn about stuff I've forgotten about watching your videos. To be honest. Wow! Wow! What a what a how you put me on! I respect that. Thank you so much. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, cause I know, I know. I know Vinny watched the video that I just did and my craziness, and I was like, you really want me on your show with all this craziness? And y'all talk about sports? So I was I was like, are y'all sure y'all want that? <laughs> I'll tell you, the first time I saw you, this was, I don't know, a year or so ago, maybe more than that. You were on a podcast with the guy from Philly, Kill, K-I-L. Um, yes, yes. Y'all were talking about Mary J. Blige on the podcast, and y'all went <laughs> deep and dropped a lot of knowledge. And I'm like, man, I like these people here. So I followed all of y'all, and I yeah. check in every now and then. And then when I saw you talking about SWV, that, that was just my group. Look, I'm from a small town in Kentucky. They're from yeah. New York just like you, but it's still, they hit everybody the same way. We all like them just right. the same. Right, right, right. Because I, when I was introduced to SWV, my, I was actually in South Carolina, and my mom went to South Carolina State University. So I was in South Carolina when I was introduced to SWV. We weren't in New York no more. So it was like they were giving us a feeling of what we were missing when we left home. So it was like we were on Mary, but it was like, you know, she was kind of really more with the dudes with hip-hop, but it was like SWV still that had that R&B but they still had that hip-hop swag to them still, but they were sister with voices. So it kind of got me because, as you see from my videos, I'm a fool for vocals, and Coco can sing from here to whenever, and she still got it. So, you know, it kind of caught me, and they still had the style, you know what I'm saying, and with the hoodies and the I'm so into you cover. So it was like, I like them. And then after a while, I just, you know, really, they became my favorite girl group. What about you, TV? Oh, you you know, we were texting, and, and we were getting ready for the show, and I will often tweet out uh, not just sports stuff, but music. And I, My whole thing is 90s R&B is undefeated. I, I think uh, what kind of hampered it is when, you know, the 2000s rolled around and it became a, kind of a different sound. And the groups that could sing kind of got left, you know, in, by the wayside, the SWVs, the In Vogue, and even Boys to Men to some extent. But SWV, to me, they, 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 they stood out just, 
I mean, they could they could they could really sing. That was the thing. Uh, Talk about blew it. me away. That just Absolutely. no matter what it was, you know. Right, right, absolutely. For me, I think you know when you listen to their harmonies because everybody is so quick to say that Taj and 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 Lily can't sing, and I'm like, yeah, Coco can blow. You know what I'm saying? But at the end of the day, y'all need to hear those girls' harmonies. Like it's crazy and. To me, they reminded me of the emotions when it came to their harmonies because we all know the emotions. They can put a different sister in the group, and they still sounded good. But it was like, to me, it was like Coco, Lili, and Taj, the thing that those harmonies they had, those gospel harmonies, it couldn't be denied. You know what I'm saying? And then they knew each other. So it was like it was more organic. Like, to me, you know, with In Vogue, when they got together, it was like they were put together. So they really didn't know each other, and they had to learn each other. Well, at the time SWV got big, they already known each other since they were kids. So you can hear the organicness in their voices, and that's what really, really got me with their harmonies. It's crazy. And I'm like, y'all really don't think Taj and Lizzy can really sing? Like, I know Coco can flow, but I'm like, are y'all hearing those those low registers and, and, and that Taj and Lizzy are giving? Like, you can't, you can't deny those girls, seriously. And they stood out to me, so. And and that's what jumped out at me um, on your video um, when you you compared them to the, the emotions. I was like, oh now because that's that's that bar when you talk about harmonizing, you know, and and just blowing the roof off of somewhere. The emotions did it, but SWV can can do it as well, and they don't get credit for it. And like you said in your video, there's there's so much that they didn't get credit for and didn't get credit at all as far as recognition that they deserve when you look at the run that they had. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's what really bothered me because, in, you know, I did a first video on them about how they didn't get their respect. And to me, I think that It's About Time era was just phenomenal. I mean, like I said in the video, uh, their first song, Weeks, it was like they were the first number ones before En Vogue, before TLC, before all of them. And they were, you know, they didn't get that recognition. And that's what bothered me about the Soul Train Awards and the Lady of Soul. And they didn't give them anything because we know when it comes to the Grammys and the, the AMAs, they're going to give awards to the ones that, you know, the mainstream crossover ones. And during that time, we knew it was Janet. We knew it was, you know, Tony Braxton. We knew it was that. But it was like, Yo, Week was so bigger than, it was like the biggest song of 93, and you're going to tell me that, come on, Soul Train, y'all couldn't give them nothing. And then Lady of Soul, y'all couldn't give them anything. And and I did the video because Lily did in this video with Ball Alert, she talked about it. And she said, you know, we didn't get the Grammy, we didn't get the American Music Award, but we couldn't even get it from our own people. And like Coco said, we got the numbers. You know what I'm saying? TLC definitely is top dog when it comes to selling a girl group but right after them is SWV and it just bothers me as a fan of theirs that you got people like you know not to you know dump on anybody but I'm like how is it that 702 has a, a soul train award before SWV that just doesn't make sense to me and it's like I'm like are you kidding me like when you think about 702 and SWV it's like come on we kind of 
destroys their whole discography. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, <laughs> how can you, how can you like, you know what I mean? And I'm not, and again, yeah. I'm not trying to diss, you know, 702 because CeeLo is my joint, you know, where my girls at with yeah. school. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. at yeah. the end of the day, You're I'm together. like, how can, how can that happen? And that's why I'm like, my girls don't get the love that they deserve. And during the time that I did that video, they were the only ones that was really out there as a group, you know, was still out there doing it. Because a lot of the people that they came in with, they can't do it. So I'm like, that's why I was like, Stephen Hill, somebody at Soul Train, something. Y'all better watch this video and give my girls respect. And I think Stephen Hill watched my video on the low, though. But he ain't going to probably admit it, but hey. And, and for and me, I think. Thing. Go ahead, TB, my fault. No, I was just saying with SWV, I think their aesthetic, and that's a fancy college word, uh, their aesthetic was a little bit different than what you were saying, like with the more polished kind of in vogue. They could both right. sing, but, but in vogue just had a different look to them. And, and I don't right. know how to really qualify that. Uh, but when you bring up the song Weak, Look, mm-hmm. when I, that came out when I was in high school. Right. Like every every girl I know, black, white, Hispanic, whatever, they all mm-hmm. knew that. You had me and weak like in the knees. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what sucks about that? I, you know, those are my girls, and y'all know that's my. But I can't stand that song. <laughs> I, and 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 I this remember, is the reason why. And and it's because. You know, <laughs> during that time, y'all can agree with me. During that time, it was always weak. I will always love you. And the end of the road. Those three songs they played on every station: classical, bluegrass. It's like, come <laughs> on, I'm getting sick of this here. Like, can we, like, can we play something else? And after a while, of course, I loved it. But then after a while, I got sick of it. I was like, I don't, I, I'm not weak in the knees anymore. I can't deal with this anymore. I'm done. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, can we please, like, this song here, but I do like them where they do it live because Coco does go off. But after, you know, doing the 90s, between 92 and 94, 95, I was like, I can't deal with it. I'm not weak. I can't, no. Y'all can have it. But, <laughs> as, you know, but that was their biggest song, you know what I mean? So I got to respect it at the end of the day, but it's, not one of my favorites, and I told Brian uh, Alexander Morgan that on Twitter, and he respected it, but he was just like, damn, you don't like my biggest song I wrote for them? I'm just like, I'm sorry, Brian, I can't. I'm not weak. I'm sorry. <laughs> See, Terry, this this is how, how JR got it. I mean, he, he's just critiquing writers to their face. This this is what level he's on. That's why he's on the show with us right now, <laughs> <laughs> well, it, 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 because I'm telling you, 90s R&B, and it, it's undefeated, but it's still underrated. My biggest beef, and I know, you know, consider the source, but VH1 did a countdown of the top 100 songs of the 90s. Okay? Wasn't no Boys to Men, no Invo, <laughs> no SWV. And I'm like, how do you have the 90s and not have any one of those songs on there? That's what that. So when I look at the Grammys and I look at the American Music Awards and I look at all that kind of stuff, I say to myself, I don't put much stock in it. It's the Soul Train Awards, the BET Awards. That's where I kind of put my stock in. 
you know, the source awards, you know, for hip hop, that's where I start looking because that's where you can right. get to the real music. Right. You know, uh, when it comes to Grammys, and I know I'm, I'm, I'm talking over our guests here, just keep in mind, Taylor Swift has more Grammys than Prince. And I don't think anybody would say they're in the <laughs> same solar system when it comes to music. But that's all I know about the Grammys. Taylor Swift's got more than Prince, so she is yeah, as take boring, that for it's and her her music is as boring. It puts me to sleep. I don't know what people see in that girl. She, I'm sorry if y'all fans of her. I apologize, but as a fan of music, I don't understand how she got all them Grammys because she puts me to sleep with all that "You Belong to Me" and all this foolishness. Taylor Swift, girl, bye. Well. <laughs> I, I got I got two girls, and they got on a Taylor Swift kick for a little bit. They were kind of getting on that, uh, oh, I can't even think of that, uh, One Direction. So I said, hold on, wait, wait a minute. So I started letting them listen to my new edition. Okay. Amen. So they, Amen. So they know Candy yeah. Girl. They, they know Mr. Telephone Man, although it makes no sense because their thing is, what's an operator? <laughs> so I'm doing like my parents did. <laughs> what operator? What is that? <laughs> but, oh, man. <laughs> but I'm doing like my parents did with the emotions, with, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Al Green. You know, I'm trying to yeah. get them to, this is music. What you're listening to is not really music. So I've, I'm hey, able you- to wean them away from what they listen to. And you know what the problem is with that, too? You remember, y'all, in the 90s, our, you know, artists actually remembered the older artists. Like, SWV, they knew who Shirley Murdoch was. And Boys the Men, they knew who, you know, the Four Tops and the Temptations was. And they knew all that, you know what I'm saying? But when it got to this new generation, it's like they don't know their history. So it's like, you know, it, it's good that, you know, you are really playing like new edition and you're doing that for them because it was like, I look back in interviews at the early nineties and it's like, you know, I was watching the boys and men interview and they was like, yo, we, we love new edition and we love the temptations and we love the four stops. And it's like, wow, they actually respect the history. You know what I'm saying? But now we got these artists now that don't even respect it. It's like the Tory Lanez guy. And I, I always bring this up cause I even brought this up on, Kills uh, podcast. It bothers me that he did a song where he used a sample, uh, the Say It song that he used uh, that Brownstone did. If uh, If you love me, mm-hmm. and when he asked him yeah. who the sample of this was, he's gonna say, "Oh, I don't know." What? That yeah. was a big yeah. song for Brownstone. How dare you do something like that? And I'm yeah. like. Y'all don't know your history, but this is what you want to, you say, I want to represent R&B music. I want to represent this. Or even I want to represent pop. Like, why are you not learning your history on who came before you? Because that's what this generation seems to don't know. They don't know a lot of what came before them. You know what I'm saying? And that's what I, you know, try to do with my website like that. I try to do Flashback Fridays because I'm like, these samples that y'all hearing, Yo, this is done before. This ain't nobody just came up with this. You know what I'm saying? They just didn't. Oh no, they came up with this sample. Nah, it's not that. So, you know, that's. I think that's the big problem when it, you know, comes to you know R&B music now and our artists these days. 
Exactly. We got JR, website JR's World of Soul, at Twitter on Music Soul Nick, talking 90s R&B because SWV finally gets that long overdue recognition this coming Sunday the BET Soul Train Awards uh, starting at 6 o'clock. I'm excited. Can't wait to see how the tribute goes and what they do when it's their time to get up on the stage. Uh, looking forward to it. You mentioned Week, and that's probably, I mean, it's definitely their biggest song. It's what a lot of people are going to, you know, casual fans or, you know, people who didn't have all of their albums from our era, people our age, that's what they'll say they remember. And right. you're saying it's not even not even your top five all time, not even your top five from the It's About Time album. It's not even your, your top five, period? Uh, no. And that sucks as a fan okay. to say, I hope Lily and Taj and them is not listening to this because I don't mean any <laughs> harm, y'all. <laughs> I don't mean any harm, but it's not. It's just because I think it was overplayed, and that's why I don't like it. You know what I'm saying? I think, you know, when you first heard it, of course, you like singing it, but it's yeah. like, like I told y'all, they were playing it on every station. So I'm like, y'all, I'm not, I'm not yeah. here for it no more. So, you know, but you know, that's the song yeah. that everybody, the, the crowd is going to sing it for them at the Soul Train Awards when they do it. They're going to put the mic out mm-hmm. and the crowd is going to sing it. And that's when you know yeah. you made your impact. You know what I'm saying? And, and, you know, that got a lot of play, like you say, even to the point of, of overkill. Everybody was fatigued by it. And a lot of their other stuff from the It's About Time album, from the New Beginning album, from the Least Intention, was just as good and never got the same shine. I mean, and, and I, I wanted, I always kind of swim upstream anyway. I, I, everybody will be liking this and liking this, and I'm kind of over here liking something different. So that's just, I'm just kind of quirky like that. But you know, when you cry, use your heart. Oh, uh, when this, oh, you go when this feeling. Feeling. oh, see, man, I love all of those. I mean, I played Ooh. "Use Your Heart" earlier. Terry, Terry, I tell you, I played I "Use heard. Your Heart" the first first break we went to. That's oh, what I played. Okay. <laughs> I, oh yeah, oh yeah. When I was listening, I turned that joint up in my house, and I know my neighbors was pissed because I was singing like crazy. Because <laughs> I'm like, that is now that song. Is my favorite SWV song, period. Hands down, my yeah. favorite. Like, oh, and he, here for you. I mean, that's you know. You know, I think oh. when it came to SWV for real, I think after it's about time. I think after Coco got pregnant, that's when it kind of lost the momentum, and it's kind of like the other groups came in, and it was kind of like SWV got lost. And then, you know, RCA, they, who they was with, when they got with the New Beginning album, it was like whoever was the A&R for the, uh, the, the It's About Time era, once New Beginning came in and he kind of left and the people from the label left, it was like the focus wasn't all on SWV anymore. And it was like they were putting it into other people. They didn't know them as a group, and it kind of lost. So by the time... You know, they kind of threw begin- New Beginning to the wolves because if you think about it, New Beginning came out in uh, 96 of April, and we got a new SWV album in August of 1997. So they didn't even let yeah. New Beginning kind of live because they kind of threw, you know, them into the studio, which 
I know you were talking about, you know, When You Cry, which is a favorite SWV song of mine. But as a fan, um, the the release some tension, I'm not a big fan of that album because it was like, I felt like it felt like a total album to me. Like it felt like, you know, once Bad Boy and, and Harvey Pierre got into the mix and they wanted to put nothing but rappers on there. But that's not the way SWV came into the game. They came into the right. game with it was them, and then they did hot remixes. That's cool, but you're not gonna have them with. That's why you know if y'all watched it unsung, they talked about it, and Lily was like she hated the album because it was like it was rappers featuring SWV, and thank God mm-hmm. Ryan Morgan gave them Rain because Rain kind of carried the album for real. Because come yeah. on, if you get any SWV album before this. They didn't have all those rappers on there. That's just not their speed. I mean, Coco was rhyming mm-hmm. and Taj on the first album, so you know. But <laughs> so, what made you? When did you start the website? What What made you say, "Well, I'm gonna just do a, a site with videos and just drop knowledge"? Well, <laughs> give us an well, idea how it all started. Well, the idea. Well, it started from a while ago because my friends know that I talk about music all day long. I talk about it. It's like I breathe it. I live it. Thanks to my mother. And shout out to my mom. Mm-hmm. But uh, she, um, she put me on, and then after a while, I started looking at websites, and it was like mainstream is telling us that R&B is dead. And that right there, as a, a lover of R&B soul music, you're not going to tell me that it's dead when it's not. And I started looking at websites where then people started just talking about the mainstream artists. That's all they were talking about. And y'all remember in the 90s where we did have our mainstream artists, but then we also still you had Freddie Jackson that was still popping. You still had Luther. You still had all these that were still making, you know, R&B music, but we also had where the R&B got into hip-hop. So then I'm looking at all these websites, and nobody is talking about the lettuces. Nobody's talking about the, uh, you know, Avery Sunshine. Nobody's talking about, you know, Anthony Hamilton. Everybody is talking about artists that's popular. And I said, nobody is doing that to me. Where, where is Anthony Hamilton has a new album? Why is nobody talking about it? So I said, you know what? You know, uh, I was on Kill's uh, podcast and he was like, look, you need to do a website. You got to do your own thing. You got to have you know, when you're talking about the music that you enjoy and, and start doing videos for it. And I said, you know what? Cool. So uh, I did my first video, and I was talking about Sam Cooke, you know, because of my grandfather, you know, God rest his soul. That was his favorite singer. And then I said, I want to do current R&B bangers, where I am talking about artists that don't get shine that's on, you know, websites like SoundCloud and AutoMac and and uh, Audio Mac, I mean, and, and YouTube, and, and all these different sites that they make just as good at music. They deserve the shine, and that's where it kind of junior world is sold because I'm just trying to prove to the masses that, look, R&B is alive and well, and it will never die because it's really in the DNA of all music. So I'm like, you can come to my website, look at some flashback videos of me bugging out, talking about the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, but then you can look yeah. at the current R&B bangers and look at the current artists that I'm talking about. So that's how that all came about. And I know my mom will probably be happy because she's like, look, I'm sick of you just talking about it with me. Get in front of the camera and start talking about it with other people. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, and, 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 
after a while, it was like, you know what? Uh, and after a while, I started getting more comfortable with it. And then now I'm I'm loving what I'm doing, the craziness that I am. As you know, you watch the SWV video. I sat there and had me a nice little drink in the video, bugging out. And it's just me being real, being myself. And when you watch it, you like, anybody that knows me watch my videos, like, yo, that's JR. So that's how that kind of my website all came about. And you wear the you wear the yellow glasses in every video. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I okay, okay. I got those yellow glasses by mistake, actually. And I just brought it because I saw it and I liked it, and I said, all right. So I was like, let me try it in one of my videos. And then after a while, I just started wearing it every video, and it's kind of like, okay. So hopefully, if anybody that you know I talk about sees me, be like, oh, oh, that's Jr. the one with the yellow glasses. So, you know, I, I guess that's my niche, you know what I mean? And my brother Sin that I talk about uh, in a lot of my videos, he's like, yo, you got to have something that people is going to really pay attention to you. And I think ain't nobody wearing no yellow glasses in no videos. So, you know, I think that, that, that works. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's definitely. Uh, so, I mean, we're all definitely excited about Watching the show this Sunday to to finally see SWV get some recognition. Um, yes, sir. Before before I let you jump off, I gotta gotta ask you because you know Nick is in your Twitter handle. You made it. Oh Lord! Uh, are you your Nick ever gonna turn around, man? I gotta ask you about him. <laughs> You're up there living and, and bleeding with him and and watching them suffer, and you sticking with him. But <laughs> it, it, is it, well, Is it going to turn around one of these years? I hope so. I like where we at right now, to be honest with you, because I I got sick of getting all of these veterans that was at the end of their rope. And it's like mm-hmm. finally we see something in Porzingis, and, you know, we I guess we want him to be the franchise. We need to get a couple of players, you know, with him and let the team gel and, and all that good stuff. But, you know, I'm liking it. I mean, our front office, like the late five said, is absolutely garbage. But at the end of the day, you know, I kind of like the space we at right now. So, you know, I normally be, you know, because I'm in Baltimore now. So it's like I get NBA league pass. I get to check it out. You know, I've been hurting for 26 years. So, you know, I'm riding with them to the end, you know. Right, right. You're you're not fair weather. You you didn't jump off. For, from greener pastures and be a front row oh, some no, other team. I would have. Man, I would have. <laughs> 94 hurt me. 99 hurt me. Like, man, mm. listen, I could have been left. I could have been like, you know what, I'm from Brooklyn. Let me go to the Brooklyn Nets. But never, ever, ever, ever. I'm right. a diehard Nick, and that is what it is. So That's it, man. That's it. And we, look, I can't thank you enough for coming on. I got to watch some more videos. And for those of you who haven't watched them already, you know, check them out. Uh, it's definitely entertaining. And when I saw you doing one about SWV, I knew I was going to click on that one. I said, uh-oh, he's talking about <laughs> my favorite girl group. So let me let me go over here play. <laughs> and you brought it the entire time, man. So I'm definitely going to go in and check some of the old, uh, the tributes to the old artists as well as some of these new modern artists that are underrated that you'll be talking about too, man. So definitely uh, appreciate it, Junior. 
Oh, no problem, hey, hey, Vinny, Terry. I really appreciate y'all having me on the show, for real. I really appreciate it, you know, with me just talking about R&B, and, and I guess you saw something, you know, in me for me to, you know, for you to bring me on the show. So I really, really appreciate it. And if y'all want me to come back and now we got to talk about some niche, it's going to hurt a little bit, but, hey, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> we, won't, we won't do too much niche, man. You got so much music knowledge, man. We're – We'll keep it probably more music to, to spare you okay. that pain, man. Okay, thank you so much. I really appreciate that because I, really, I don't feel like crying when I talk about them, for real. <laughs> That's it. That's it. And, look, everybody check them out, juniorsworldofsoul.com, and you won't be disappointed, man. We appreciate yeah, it, man. Thanks. Have a good evening up there. In you too. B-more. Thank y'all. Thank y'all. Y'all keep doing it. We appreciate thing, it. Really. No problem. All right. Take care. That is Junior. Like I said, JR's Junior's World of Soul dot com and TB. He's all over the music, man. All over it. Well, yeah, and, and the thing is, you have to uh, uh, let your kids know about music, and, and uh, like he was talking about with the samples, uh, uh, these new artists today use the samples we grew up on. I'm trying to remember. Oh, I, I okay. So this is how long ago it was. MC Hammer, please Hammer, don't hurt him. You know you can't touch this with the big song. But he had a cover of Have You Seen Her. So I'm listening to yeah. this song and I'm like, this is this is a pretty good song. My dad said, Who is that? I said, Dad, this is MC Hammer. <laughs> this song, Have You Seen Her? He said, Oh no. Took me downstairs <laughs> to the basement with the record player. <laughs> Did, did, did the put the record player on and he had the move and <laughs> that's what I grew up on. Uh, I think I tweeted this out maybe last week. Uh, I was listening. Uh, I, I think it was Spotify, one of the you know you put your your playlist together, whatnot. And uh, Gladys Knight and the Pips came on, and leaving on a midnight train to Georgia was playing. And I distinctly remember my parents, my mom singing, and my dad being the pips. And just, that's good music just puts you in a place. And and like Junior said, R&B is in everything. We talked about Fats Domino last week and his influence on rock and roll. And, 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 And you look at, you know, Chuck Berry and his influence on what rock and roll became. A good R&B song will get you moving, right? A good R&B song puts you in a right frame of mind. I haven't been to a a family gathering or cookout where somebody didn't put on uh, Marvin Gaye, Got to Give It Up. That is a party. Mm. That That is a party right there. You know, I like the old 70s R&B songs where – it's eight or nine minutes long, and it's so good. Yeah. The lead singer has got to stop singing to tell you what he's feeling. I'm talking about the Lenny yeah. Williams of the world. I'm talking about yeah. the old Commodore, <laughs> where he's like, let me tell you something. And then you know it's a good song when he got to take a break from singing to really put you in the feeling. Uh, but yeah. 90s R&B was the same way. Uh, you know, these guys these, these days, they don't they for this, that. Jodeci, baby, you got me feeling. 
Boy Smith, yeah. I'm on bended knee. Come on yeah. with it. <laughs> can you woo? Can you woo? Yeah. Woo woo. Look, man, nineties R and B is absolutely. We didn't even say that about. We didn't even say about Earth Wind Fire because that's. I mean, I mean, we talk about them for two more hours. <laughs> uh, yeah, and and and, and big supergroups and and just uh, so I, I really in, in all ser- in all seriousness, I, I think that you do the youth a disservice if you don't uh, at least expose them to the music you grew up on and and kind of let them connect the dots and, and kind of let the, let them know. You know these people you like today. They're they're good and everything, but look, this is what was built up on. You know this didn't just take place in a vacuum. So uh, so I, I I try to do that the same way my parents do. Absolutely, that's why I'm so excited about Sunday. Uh, watching the Soul Train Awards Sunday evening. Um, because you know, freshman year, sophomore year, that was that was my group. You know, yeah, Mary J. came out with uh, her first album in like '92. You know, what's the four one one with Real Love on it and all that. And then you kind of transition right into SWV, and then you know, Week and and that entire album. And then as soon as they came out with the second one, like you said, it didn't really breathe long. But I liked everything on it as well. So it was like 92 to 96. You know, I like them. You like TLC and Escape and all that, but, you know, really, really like SWV. So uh saw his video and, and had to get JR on to talk about it. So definitely appreciate it. And had a ton of fun, and we crammed a bunch in. And at the end of another show, we'll definitely have to talk basketball next because we didn't even get to the Moorhead or Thomas Moore games <laughs> But uh, we got center coming up this. That'll be the tenth, right? Center college. The center game is Friday the tenth. Or is it this coming Friday? Uh, yeah, the game this Friday. Basketball. Yeah, so that'll be yeah. So we have to definitely pop that in next week as we talk about Ole Miss. Um, and at last check, Kentucky volleyball had dropped the first set. Uh, and we're trailing in the second set. Don't have a score, but hopefully they can rally again uh, and, and get back into the match uh, with Florida in town for the rematch. Uh, the, you know, with the Kentucky taking it to them down there in games, but hopefully they can get back into it. Coach, you know, Florida coming in with revenge, but hopefully Kentucky can kind of rally like they did in Baton Rouge against LSU. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, man, I appreciate everything. Thank you, TV. Thanks to Christy Thomas. Thanks to Junior for coming on. True great gift. All kinds of fun. Hope you all enjoyed listening. Appreciate everybody on Facebook Live, even Randall Jackson, the Tennessee fan that was coming in, uh, which I know him. He's talking about it's still a great day to be a Tennessee ball. So that was half sarcastic, half just, Got his feelings hurt from Saturday, but it'll be all right. Appreciate everybody on Facebook Live. Appreciate everybody listening. Check the podcast out, blogtalkradio.com slash catstalk. 
and Terry and I will be at it again next Wednesday. And check out the little stuff we write on TerryMillsRadio.com. And we'll be uh, talking about this documentary, too, coming up, Cam, uh, Terry, because it's looking good. We saw the one about the 1916. It's about the 1918 that's taking shape. So we'll be talking about that on the show as well. It'll be another fun one to watch. Absolutely. Have a good rest of the evening. I'm going to watch some World Series until I fall asleep. I'm going to try to watch it all game seven. No more baseball until the spring. Uh, so hopefully it's as good as the previous six games have been. And we'll talk about that next week as well. Also talk about the new Niners quarterback next week and, and get your thoughts on that. <laughs> but we've had a ton of fun this evening for sure. And we'll see everybody this Absolutely. time next week on Cats Talk Wednesday, man. So thank you all again. We'll close it out with that same SWV song that we played earlier because congratulations in advance to them for the recognition they're going to get on Sunday. See everybody next week. Thanks for listening. So, my man, Terry Brown, this is Vinnie Hardy. Thank you all for listening to the show.